Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Of course. Wow. There's a hole in the ketchup. A hole. Dr. Heidi, I have to admit, I've been noticing in myself a really unhealthy relationship with food. Really? Tell me more. I get stressed out on nights, and Uh the last thing I want to do is anything but order like three large pepperoni pizzas and eat every single one of them. Wow. I don't like it, but I can't stop it because I keep on getting stressed. And I feel sometimes like it's okay because I can run to the gym and I can stay a size that I'm comfortable with, but I know that it's ultimately not good for me. That's true. Size is not an indication of how healthy our relationship with food is. Hmm. There are people of all different sizes that have unhealthy relationships with food, and there's people of all different sizes that have healthy relationships with food. It's unhealthy when we use food for something other than fuel. So we have to slow down and say, okay, how am I using food in my life? For you, it sounds like you're using it to manage stress. Yes. This is not great, but it's what a lot of us do. But I love food. There's so many good tasting foods out there, and I don't always think of it as being a fuel. Sure. I actually would say I don't have an unhealthy relationship with food. I make it a point not to yeah. eat when I'm You're stressed. You're really good about it. Great. I eat when I'm hungry, but I enjoy the smorgasbord of choices, and I don't always choose the healthiest option and I don't like kale. So that's but, balance and that's good. Yeah, okay, right? You, you appreciate and, good food and I think that's kind of the caveat. Absolutely. It doesn't just it can be artistic fuel. Right. It can, oh, and, I like that. And it can be enjoyable fuel. It can be oh, high octane fuel. Okay. And yes. pleasant fuel. I like right? that. Thank right? you. We don't have to just have a, a sterile relationship with food. And especially we, now when it's fall, the change in the weather changes our appetites. And we think about things like chili and crock pots and casseroles and apple crisp and things like that. And it's a good time to stop and talk about our relationship with food. Because it, I have this theory that I have to gain weight at this time of year to hibernate. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put on some layers to keep you warm in the winter months. Yes. That we might need to talk about, right? You're on the right track with food. Right. Recognizing it's valuable, but not using it to solve a problem it was not meant to solve. Mm. Food can't solve stress. So what problems does food solve? Fueling our body well, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why if we're using it for some other reason, we need to stop and say, okay, what are my other options? And that's where it can help to just sit down someday and maybe brainstorm mm-hmm. so that in the moment you have a list already written out, maybe you play the piano. Right. Maybe you do something creative. Maybe you call your mom. Maybe you call your child. Maybe you pet your dog. But doing those things intentionally because emotions are important and we do need to take care of them. We just need to take care of them in a way that ultimately works better than eating them. You know, when I was growing up, there were a couple of things that I remember my mom doing that I would say to myself, someday, I'm not going to do that. Oh, you know, I, I will am, never I will be like never that. Never be like that. You know, these things that my mom did. My mother is uber, uber practical and frugal and nothing goes to waste. Mm -hmm. So you and you would reach the bottom of a cereal box and there wasn't enough for an entire bowl. She would mix the cereals. Just go to the next one down the line and, and dump some in there. And I was like, no. This is no. This You're is not, a no. Not a fan. No, as a kid, I was like, no, this does not work. Cereals do not mix. Mm. I don't care if you just pour <laughs> milk over it and all goes to the same place, <laughs> like my, my dad used you to just say. Stir it up together. I know it all goes to the same place, but bef- while it's going there, I want the trip to be more enjoyable. You need and some I order. didn't want my cereals to be mixed, and I thought that this was just an order of the universe. 
Well, Jen, what if I told you about a new product? Kellogg's has unveiled mashup cereal. You have got to be kidding me! Kellogg's mashups! (laughs) The first one, it looks like this is the only one in the line so far. It's Frosted Flakes and Fruit Loops. No! That's flakes with rings. That's colors with brown. That is so wrong on so many levels. No, no, no. But think about the taste, Jen. It's yeah, like Fruit Loops don't taste like Frosted Flakes. Exactly. So you're okay with this. It's like Frosted Fruit. <laughs> Very important conversation right now. Well, it's about cereal. Yeah. Cereal is an important part of this morning's well, breakfast. This is a balanced breakfast, Jen. Yeah. I mean... Do you mix it or not? Because now Kellogg's is officially mixing cereals. They call them mashups. It's just mixing cereals. What do you think, Dee? I do not mix cereals, but my husband will because you can't waste it. Right. I eat mini shredded wheat, the frosted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so all of that frosting at the bottom of the bag is really too sweet and gross. But he puts it on his raisin bran as sugar. Ooh. <laughs> you two and, match perfectly. <laughs> and then um, we had some leftover fruity pebbles from the grandkids. He put that in his raisin bran. Now that's not right. <laughs> no, that's not right. I'm sorry. So mostly he's just putting sweet stuff on raisin bran because raisin bran is not great by itself. Oh my goodness. Right. Right. I would say that the two of you are very yeah. blessed to have found each other. You are well matched. Perfectly complimented. <laughs> you are the frosting to his raisin bran. Oh, that should be a Hallmark card. Hey, good morning, Amy. Do you have thoughts on mixing cereals? Uh, yes, I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I would have to agree with Jen. Thank you! There's really? a texture thing and a taste thing and just it's just wrong it's just wrong but have you have you ever tried mixed cereals yeah uh, oh. we had six children in our family oh. we had <laughs> the verse literally says then you will shine among them like stars in the sky i have to admit I'm a bit curious because I don't know if I know this verse and shining like a star sounds fun. This thing is so powerful, so countercultural that people can't help but notice. This is uh, from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Philippi, and he tells them literally Philippians 2.14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Oh. <laughs> do everything without grumbling or arguing so you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Well, it's, it's easy for you to read that. I know. I know. I, hard to and do. that's why, right? I look at this verse and I look at Facebook, which you and I both have had to take a step back from because there's so much grumbling and arguing there. And can I say I don't miss it? Now, you want to know even more why this verse is so amazing. The church in Philippi, you can go read about them in the book of Acts. You know who the first three members were? There's Lydia, who was from modern-day Turkey. She was a wealthy business owner in the city. There is a Roman jailer, who's kind of a blue-collar worker at the time. And then there was a Grecian slave girl who had been telling fortunes and had been freed from that. Okay, that just gave me goosebumps. They were the three founding members of the Church of Philippi? three first people that Paul and Silas come through, and they're the people who started. They are three people who have no reason to get along. No. Oh, nothing in common except except for Jesus Christ 
And when the world can look at us and say, there are so many reasons you should not get along, but the thing that unites you is stronger than the things that divide you. How about that for power? You move in to a brand new house. Yay! You're getting the lay of the land. And of course... There's a project at the start. <laughs> you call them projects. That's you, a nice word for you it. You don't inherit a perfect home from somebody else. <laughs> and the issue in our home when we moved in was that the laundry drain would back up. Oh. You'd do a load of laundry and that little drain on the floor would overflow. Oh, that's kind of so, not good. Job one was we're going to call a plumber and we're going to get this unclogged. Okay. All and, right. you know, they, they pull out their big clog of icky smelling awful stuff and you say, please get that away and don't let it. <laughs> drip anywhere (laughs) and we thought that we were good to go and then after the wonderful plumbers left and i'm so happy about our finally working washing machine i go downstairs and i look at our drain and there's just water standing in there oh no it's still like maybe they didn't get all of it and so i'm you know i'm getting a little frustrated i was like okay i'm gonna put on my my grown-up voice my angry voice. Oh, no. And I'm, I'm going to call the plumbing company and say, listen, I'm sure they meant well, but these guys you sent me did not complete the job. I've still got, I, I've got, I've just got water standing in my drain yeah. and I, I'm not, not pleased with that. I, could you send someone out to repair this issue and I'd rather not have to pay for it because this is your fault. <laughs> well... I just know it's coming. That's why I'm laughing. They sent a gentleman out and he... he and he was a gentleman. Took a peek at my drain and he said, sir? Sir? I said, yes. It's supposed to be that way. Yes! That's what we in the business call a pee trap. You're just going to have water sitting there so that the gas doesn't come into your house and smell really nasty. Um, I can show it to you. And like he literally turned on my laundry thing full blast into that hole and it didn't overflow. It worked exactly like it was supposed to. Uh, Good news is I don't think they charged me for that. I think my, my embarrassment was payment enough. You call the plumber because things just aren't looking so good in that drain. I had standing water in my drain and I called up the plumber. He looked down and he said, sir, it's supposed to be that way. That's called a pee trap. And Seth has something to add. Well, I just wanted to say I'm a plumber's assistant at a plumbing company for service. And uh, so, Taylor, you're the one everybody was talking about. (laughs) I'm famous. The appliances in your home are extremely important. Yeah. Sometimes, though, they make you feel less than smart. Just kind of pulling your hair out, trying to figure out, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to? Dan had that experience. I just moved into this new house at the beginning of June, and my fiance is going to be moving in in August after we're married, and that's all exciting. Awesome. married. Yay! The first time I ran the washing machine, the drain backed up. And so I called the landlord, and they sent a plumber out. And what we found blocking the drain was a child's sock. A sock? where they go. Yes. They go down the drain. They go down the drain. They go down the drain and you never see it again. Until it backs up your washing machine and you have to call the plumber. Speaking of unpleasant experiences with appliances, here's Sherry. I worked for a plumbing company and my washing machine wouldn't work. So I called and of course two of my co-workers guys came out to my house and tore into my machine and uh, they found something 
wrapped up in the motor and probably showed it to me, and it was a pair of my underwear. <laughs> and I was absolutely mortified. And they, they, yeah, they took it for all it was oh, worth. And I'm sure they had fun with that one. Oh, they did, and I could hardly face them the next day at work. Have you felt like life has just been on pause for all of 2020? Yep. For the most part, we're all just looking ahead to 2021, aren't we? I mean, just coronavirus has continued to kind of linger. We're, you know, now debating, okay, what's the right way to go back to school? And I've heard a lot of people say this. Well, 2020 is just a wash. Yep. I've heard that, too. And I've said that. Yeah, it, it, it feels <laughs> to totally true. Like what we haven't been able to do so many things we planned on. We've kind of done this kind of slower pace of life. And I keep coming back to in this time a verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah. That's been, I know it's a very encouraging verse, believe it or not, from a prophet. Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah is talking to God's people who are currently living in captivity in Babylon. Well, if you were living in captivity, I would think that your life would feel like it had paused. They're, yeah, they're living kind of on pause, and they're just waiting for God to lead them out of Babylon. They're waiting for deliverance, huh? And they feel like it's coming soon. They're, so they're just kind of hunkered down. They are ready to get out of there and get back to life. But Jeremiah has a totally different message for them. Jeremiah says, build houses here and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply here and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And it's just this beautiful reminder that... If you are a child of God, you are going to be in an imperfect place. This side of eternity, you are going to be surrounded by imperfection. But God puts his people in places to bring light to them. Even 2020? Even 2020, even when you are sheltered at home, you're locked away, you haven't seen your co-workers in months. God has put you in a specific place for a specific purpose. And I hope for my sake that I haven't missed chances to be a light. I'll admit, often it sits for the entire week, gathering dust, the beautiful letter that Father God wrote to Mm -hmm. us. But there was something about 2020, especially March and April, that drove me right back to his word. And it's so comforting at times when we need it. There have been verses that have been, quote, my life verse for many years, but there are verses that have become all the more important during 2020. And we want to know what your life verse is or what it's been in 2020. When I accepted Christ at the age of eight, my pastor gave me a verse and said this was my life verse, and it really has been. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And I thought that was an unusual verse for such a young child until I grew up and all seasons of my life that verse has spoken to me. Has that first come in particularly handy or poignant in 2020 for you? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Every year it has, but in 2020 yeah. 
it just reminds me that uh, the Lord knows what's going on and He's in control. His verse to me has always been valid and yeah. up to date. So 2020, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Always been valid and up to date. That's the Word of God. Maybe one of the important questions we should be asking about 2020 is what are you learning? Mm-hmm. Not how are you getting through it? <laughs> We've looked at 2020 as a time of just being frozen. But if you read God's word, the times that are difficult are the times when we grow. Mm, true. And we want to know the verses that have been helping you grow in this time. Psalm 4610, be still. Mm. And there's a whole lot of stuff that comes after be still, but I can stop right there. Because I'm never still. (laughs) Never, never. Never. Like, it is the biggest struggle. I'm a struggle blast when it comes to being still. And I think that God is just saying, you know what? I mean, like, he shut down everything for us to be still. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I don't necessarily think the shutdown was based on me. However, I think my response (laughs) needs to be, like, just be still. Yeah. And it's hard. It's super hard. So hard. I feel guilty when I'm still for too long. Me too. I used to feel guilty taking a nap, but I realized that my body gets tired. Mm-hmm. So I think that when we are still, things become a lot clearer and we can focus on what's important. This pandemic time, 2020 in general, has led a lot of us back to the scripture. And uh, we have really enjoyed hearing the scriptures that have meant a lot to you lately. I'm a single woman and I have two roommates. So we're home a lot together. And one of the scriptures that was shared with me at the very beginning by a friend um, is in Micah 6, verse 8. And it said, what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? That has been like my theme throughout all of this craziness, because every time someone gets on my nerves or something (laughs) is said or done that I don't agree with or I just don't like, I have to remember that. Mm -hmm. All right, Jen, love mercy, walk humbly, act justly. So it's been a very interesting four months or so. I'm really good at loving mercy when it's happening to me. Exactly. It's it's the other way around that it it gets a little harder. Mercy goes a long, long way. As a parent, you have probably experienced moments like my friend, our friend, Rick did. Now, Rick is a chef, and Rick spends time taking care of his grandkids. Which he loves. Adores. And as a chef, occasionally he wants to you know, make wonderful meals for said grandchildren. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's an expression of his love. Going to make some really fancy, wonderful food for these children that he adores. Yeah, no. 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 They just want chicken nuggets. But <laughs> They just yeah. want stuff that you put ketchup on. But in one of Lick, uh, Rick's latest escapades, he tells the story of one of his grandkids who... He put like tater tots or something on a plate and then he squeezed ketchup on them, mm-hmm. put it in front of his grandchild, expecting the grandson to sing his praises. Yes. Tater no. tots and ketchup. But no, no. Of course. Wow. What's the problem? Why don't you want to eat it? I don't want to eat it. What is the matter? Why don't you want to eat it? I made it exactly like you like it. <laughs> There's a hole in the ketchup. A hole. Uh, the ketchup has a, a hole. There is a spot <laughs> where he could see through to the oh. plate. <laughs> and there was no ketchup. Need there a was full only a plate. Layer of ketchup. You're not getting any more ketchup. <laughs> fine, fine. Here's the ketchup. Here, go ahead. So, no holy ketchup <laughs> he on the. Eat it. 
He wouldn't eat it because there was a hole in the That's ketchup. That's a lot of ketchups. That is so many tomatoes sacrificed on the altar <laughs> of your tater tots. Of child pickiness. Our precious, wonderful children. Mm-hmm. We love them so. They're expensive. And it's a good thing that they give us some entertainment value. Because when they are picky... Often they take that pickiness to a ridiculous level. She was two. Her scrambled eggs were broken. Oh, and no. she wanted me to fix them. You got to put them back together, Mom. I know. And I couldn't fix them. <laughs> and she just didn't understand. And she kept saying her eggs were broken. <laughs> and then while her eggs were broken, she was just putting them in her mouth and still eating them. So Listen, we've all cry eaten before. Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> I think I did that last night. <laughs> <laughs> It is a ridiculous pickiness, but you give in because otherwise things get messy. I'm sure to the mind of the toddler, it's perfectly reasonable Makes that really they good sense, be yeah. upset about whatever it is that they're upset about. My friend, her son, has very specific requests that must be followed when it comes to packing his lunch. Oh, boy. He, oh, boy. You know, she likes to pack some healthy things for him to hopefully get, you know, some good nutrients in there. And so she likes to pack some olives for him to munch on. Well, goodness, that's a wing and a prayer. Well, he he will eat them, but he only will eat olives. Only if she puts eleven in the package, <laughs> has to be exactly eleven. Why? Because he doesn't have eleven of anything. You put one on each finger and a backup in case he breaks one. Are you for real? I'm for real. Oh my this kid thinks ahead, <laughs> and she does it. Yeah. Listen, if you could figure out your kid was going to eat olives, wouldn't you do just about anything to get him on there? This is the same kid that wants to run for president? No, this oh, is a different one. Wow, I think, I think he, he might be the running mate. <laughs> the one will be up there giving speeches and he's going to be back there being like, Olive fingers! Children are good at many things, mm-hmm. including being ridiculously picky. She heard one of her friends at school say that vegetables were ucky. Ucky. So I could not call them vegetables. I had to say, eat your carrots or eat your broccoli or eat your green beans. Because if I called them vegetables, she would say, no, vegetables, ucky. (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry. That's not a vegetable. It's a carrot. Yeah. (laughs) That's some next level parenting right there. I used to bribe her with broccoli to behave herself. (laughs) (laughs) I think two of the most fun places for any kid to spend time in is their grandparents' attic or their grandparents' basement. Because that's where all the memories are. I loved spending time in my Meme and Pepe's basement. They lived on the border between Maine and Canada, and they had seven children. All the stuff was in the basement. All of it. Stuff that their kids left behind, but also stuff that at one time my grandma had displayed in her home. But because she had so many children, eventually (laughs) they kind of got shuffled down to the basement. Back in the corner next to the upright piano, there was a giant chest. It was um, a hope chest. Okay, yeah. That my grandmother had actually brought with her when she married my, my Pepe. And, you know, there were pictures and things like that on the inside, but I loved this hope chest. I loved it. I I loved the idea of it. I thought it was so romantic. It was beautiful. And for years, it sat over there under the dust. And really, I was the only grandkid that would go and play with it and look at it. And I was just kind of your special hope chest. 
So imagine my surprise one Christmas when I'm living here in Iowa, when that is delivered to me at Christmas. Wow. By my sister. My When my meme passed, she gave that chest to my mom and dad, who knew how much I loved it. My sister took it, restored it, and gave it to me as a gift. That's amazing. Now sitting in my home, and it has a lot of my old cherished memories in it, but that is an heirloom that I love. I like the connection to the past. Yeah. And I, I like the stories behind heirlooms, but I know some people prefer more modern things. But if, if you've got a family heirloom, you have a especially a story attached to. We want to hear about it. My oldest heirloom is a little milk pitcher that had belonged to a great, great, great grandmother from France. Wow. Oh, cool. Is it ceramic? It's China. And it hasn't broken? It's got a little chip in it now. Wow. That's still impressive. That is amazing. My next is a table that was my great-grandparents when they first got married. It's over 100 years old, and I still use it. You have a rich history in your home. Oh, yeah. I got a bunch of antiques. I can't believe nobody doesn't have any antiques. Well, you're hoarding all of it. That's why. (laughs) You have it in your house, and you kind of hope that a guest is going to mention it, see it, comment on it so that you can tell the story behind it. Katie has an amazing story behind her family heirloom. I think it's going to become one. We recently found one of my grandma's Bibles. Mm, Nice. But what was cool was how we found it. My parents had started attending the church I grew up at. They hadn't been at it for like years. And I was visiting with them, and I went downstairs to use the restroom. And as I was coming back, I'm really nosy. So (laughs) I was looking through one of the Sunday school rooms. And there was a row of Bibles, and I just happened to see one pink one in the midst of them. And so I picked it up, and I opened it, and it said my grandmother's name. No. In the wow. No. And I was like, what? So I took it upstairs, and I whispered to my mom. And just that morning in Sunday school, my dad had been talking about my grandma, his mom, and how he really wasn't sure where she was in her walk with the Lord, but he believed she was with him. And then I found that Bible. <gasps> oh, my goodness. It had been down there for probably at least 20 years. What did your dad do? He was just kind of, I think, shocked to silence. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what is that like? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I've never experienced that either, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Taylor and Jen Podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life 1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.